so you've heard me say many times before, yeah, pornography watching, it's a problem. It's a problem for male sexuality, and it contributes to erectile dysfunction. Today, our guest says, yes, it is a problem, but there's positives. And there is a therapeutic way, if you will, of using pornography to help people learn about sexuality, help couples learn, particularly women, about sexuality. Today's conversation is with Dr. Lisa Paz, who has a doctorate, PhD degree in clinical sexology and is a board-certified sex therapist. Dr. Lisa has been in private practice in Miami, Florida for over 18 years. She holds an adjunct position at the University of Miami, and she does public speaking across different venues in Florida. Additionally, Dr. Lisa is interested in boosting healthy relationships and helping couples take their connection to the next level. She loves facilitating coaching and offers all sorts of ideas and strategies to maintaining and rekindling love affairs. Today's conversation with Dr. Lisa Paz on all things male sexuality, including, yep, a different take on pornography watching. Let's go. Welcome to the Dr. Geo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Geo, where it is my goal and intention to help you improve and optimize, yes, optimize your prostate health and how to live better with age. Pleasure to have Dr. Lisa Paz here. You know all about her from the intro. Lisa, thank you so much. Uh, sunny Florida, sunny Miami. You know, I have a before we started recording, I have a strong connection as a Cuban person who never lived in Miami with, with the city of Miami. So thank you so much for being on. I'm delighted. I know I really liked our pre-recording convo. We got to share sort of all of our points of connection. And as a New Yorker, I feel connected to you. That's and right. I, yes, we have all the touch points. I mean, you all went to high school points. not too far from where I live, one of the top high schools How, in New York City or not the country. So that was nice to hear that. Very. And I married a Cuban. So they Oh, my goodness. That's it. That's it. That's it. I feel like we, we locked it in. We locked it in. <laughs> Lisa, you are a marriage and sex therapist. I think we're going to focus. We'll see where it goes. You know, in, in this podcast, I have, you know, the, uh, what I consider to be the best of the best in their respective fields. And I'll, I was prompted to contact you and say, hey, do you want to be honest through Dr. Justin Dubner? From, yeah. from, you know, he's local there and he's he another, anor- another Northeasterner, um, but he lives down there with you. And I, it was like a Saturday. I'm like, all right, dude, I know this is hard. You want to go to the beach, but you know, spend, a, spend an hour with me here. He was great. We talked about male sexuality quite a bit. And then the conversation led to pornography. So I've been somewhat vocal and I've written about the problems with pornography as it relates to male sexual dysfunction, which includes all the things that I guess we'll talk about, perhaps um, things like, you know, ED, actual ED, mm-hmm. you know, these dysmorphia, of yep. how you look at your pelvic area and your organ to how things should work. And of course, now, <clears throat> you know, you have a 13 year old son, I have an 11 year old son, they have access to any porn app whenever right so if they start getting these ideas of how sexuality works before they're you know you look amazing you look amazing and you look very young but you're, you should be someone temp- temporary to me based on how when you went to school and your kids age we right. have to work hard to watch a porn film what i always tell well we'll get to it but yeah the vhs days yes or even yes. oh i remember and you gotta you really had to have been bored to get up off that couch and press fast forward if not you were sitting through the scene. Yeah. I mean, 100%. going to the store and going to the corner and coming out with this videotape in a brown paper. It's just too much work. Now it's not or the, the case. the back of Blockbuster. Yes, that's remember right. the back of Blockbuster? That's right. <laughs> no, they have access. Listen, I, you hit it. Some of the big things, and I hope we touch on all of them today, are the, prema- the premature, the delayed ejaculation, the erectile dysfunction, the false expectations, the low desire, the preference. And then you just hit it, the upcoming population, right? I feel like this is not only informative for guys who are struggling with this, but a cautionary tale to dads out there who are raising sons of the impact that it is going to have on the neural pathways and sort of the wiring of healthy sex. I'm seeing, well, we'll get to it, but I'm seeing more and more young guys 
on the struggle bus because of porn. So I, so yeah, so I've seen I've never 25, 26 year old young men coming with ED. I mean, when I talk to, you know, my friends of what's happening, they're contemporary with me said, my God, we had the opposite problem when we were 25. We were too distracted because we were, the right. libido was so high. So now it's the opposite. I've had older men with porn addiction, older than me, and that's totally. affecting their marriage. So I'm talking to Dr. Dubin and he says, look, I don't demonize anything. I think there's some benefits to porn and perhaps that could be used to help people improve their sexuality. Yes. I'm saying, whoa, I'm not interested in being right. I'm interested in getting it right. So tell me more. Uh, he said, you got to uh -huh. talk to Dr. Lisa Paz. She, so maybe we can start there. Let's talk about pornography watching. Let's talk about the good and bad. And when is it potentially good? Take it away. Yep. All right. No, this is like my favorite topic. So let's first just do like little history, right? Super quick. Uh, there were several big studies done late 90s, early 2000s uh, that looked at ED in young men. And the numbers were hovering around 5%. Pornhub comes out in 2006. And then the next round of big studies in the mid 20 teens, 2014-ish, had the numbers for men between the ages of 16 to 21 reporting about 50% not necessarily meeting full criteria, but having erectile interruptions. So does that mean one cause the other? No, but it certainly is an interesting entry point into this conversation. Mm -hmm. If you think about the way we used to watch porn, right? And we just started to be cheeky about it, where, you know, you got either a magazine and whatever pictures you could get your hands on, you found the ones you liked best and that was what you were into, or you got your VHS and you watched it and maybe you had a remote control or maybe you had to get up to fast forward if you got bored, right? But essentially there was a slower connection to your arousal ejaculation patterns. Okay, fine. And if you were someone that had a propensity towards like fetish or something like that was an outlier, oh, you had to find the subculture and then you had to write away to the little club and you would wait for a few little pictures to be able to satisfy that need. And you would recycle those pictures in perpetuity, right? To get that, that outlier need met. Okay. Fast forward to internet porn mm. and really to where we are today. How do we watch porn? We have genre upon genre, every single genre you could hope to see. And then within that genre, an infinite amount of content. And so the way people currently masturbate, either on a phone or a personal iPad or, right, what do we do? We watch what we're watching until we get a little bit bored and then we click to the next video and the next video and then we wait and everyone sees the exact video that they want to come to. And so they're holding their ejaculate until the moment that they find the thing that they like best that they want to finally let themselves get off to. And if you like something that's an outlier, you know, a fetish or a genre that's a little bit more on the fringe, there's an abundance of that too. So you can now really service that need mm. or that preference. So what we've created, right, is essentially sexual ADD, a very short attention span. Mm. And we've created a very narrow neural pathway to our arousal patterns. Because if you are searching for the exact thing that you like, right, there's no compromise in today's porn. You no longer have to be like, well, I got this VHS. There's a few hot scenes. There's a few scenes that are a little bit boring, but I'm going to watch them all because, right? No, there's no compromise anymore. We get exactly what we want. And as soon as we're bored, we get exactly the next thing that we want. So we've created a very narrow margin for our arousal patterns. Now, what happens when you go to be in partnered sex? Partnered sex is cool and fabulous and yay, all the things, but the auditory is not the same. The angles are not the same. And it can be a little bit boring if what you have trained your brain to respond to is this rapid fire imagery of exactly what you like. So the and by so, the auditory, you mean the moaning and groaning and moaning, groaning, the, talking dirty. Yeah. And, I mean, all of it, right? All the things that porn gives you sort of high level access to exactly what you like. You want to find someone that's going to say whatever line you want. I guarantee it's out there and you can find it out there in exponential versions of it, right? And so in any event, what's happening is we're seeing men have a harder time either maintain, achieve or maintain their erection or have a hard time getting off. That's where the delayed ejaculation piece comes in. Mm. So you're seeing an interruption in any of sort of the three spaces, right? Either that arousal, that plateau or that ejaculation phase. Mm. 
it's being interrupted. I will tell you what else I am seeing in my younger guys. I'm going to go with, I don't see uh, people under 18. So my youngest no, neither do I. is yeah. eight. Okay. So 18 ish, but my 18 to 25 year olds, I have a lot of men that I'm seeing, young men that I'm seeing right now, good looking guys, smart guys would have no problem pulling a woman or a man if they're into men, whatever it is. They're preferring pornography. They're stressed. They're in school. Mm. They're in grad school. They're in their early years of work. And they're like, man, Dr. P, I just want to go home. I want to get off. I don't want to work that hard. I it's like. just easier? They're using – like what's it's happening? Easier? I th Listen, I think that it's easier and it speaks right to a pathway that they have custom designed for themselves, mm. right? They have sort of custom designed this neural pathway that is – perfect to their exact arousal pattern and they've trained themselves right so through this repetition this is what we all have to know right through repetition of anything you if you're a righty and you want to learn you're left-handed and become left-handed you can mm. you can create that neural network mm. through a lot of repetition through this repetition of exposure they have created such an attachment to the way they get off that just doesn't translate in partnered sex or they're not performing it the way they want in partnered sex and in an effort to avoid shame, anxiety around performing, not getting off, mm. not being able to keep their erection. They're like, I don't, don't want to confront that either. Easier just to go home. It, but it's real. And the numbers are continuing to support that we're seeing, again, either erectile dysfunction or the delayed ejaculation. Mm. You know, you're a mom of three boys that you mentioned, 13 and younger. I'm a, I have an 11-year-old son. I see nephews are in their 20s and you know mid-20s and so forth. And I'm like, so I, I, number one, I'm big in the conversation of, all right, how am I, how are you going to, how am I going to help my son be the best man he can be? Totally. Right? That's a very important conversation, particularly in this day and age, I think. And then that could be a, you know, provocative, uh, provocative conversation as well. Sure. What I see with some of these younger men, which is very concerning because you know, I think my nephews are all heterosexual. And, you know, it's, it, if you're not like on top of your game as a man, you're not going to get date. You're not going to, you know, get dates and interact with women and interact the right way and you know figure out how to, you know, when you're not liked as much as you think you should and figure that out. And you staying home playing video games in your 20s and porn to get your kicks off, ordering food delivery from, you know, uh, SpubHub or whatever it is, whatever the, <laughs> you know, uh, Uber Eats, and you're just eating away, getting bigger, not focused on your business, not focused on earnings, not focused on being in the gym. To me is when you're in your, you know, when you're a young man, you focus on, you focus getting yourself in the gym and focus on your business. So oversimplification, but emotional stuff. Yeah, all that. But you really no, got to no, get that. You really have to get that down. Women are uh, my daughter, a college student, we went through the process for the first time. Two to one ratio, women to men in all colleges. Right. Which means what? Women are. Thank God. They're badasses. They are producing. Now, that means that the standard is higher for every male also. Totally. Because let's yep. be real. I mean, let's be real. It's a tough situation where the woman makes a whole lot more than a man and is more productive. I don't care. This has been the case for years and years for sentence and so forth. So I'm concerned about these young men who are watching porn all day, playing video games and just eating burgers all day. Your thoughts on that? I'm concerned about it too. I think you just hit it. Like we are creating very maladaptive or an opportunity to be a maladaptive participant in our community, in our society, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you can have all of your needs met from a couch while simultaneously being entertained, both entertained recreationally, let's call it video games, or just watching whatever videos of your principal interest to you, and then also having your sexual needs met, right? Then we're de-incentivizing engaging the world. And if it doesn't become sort of this cornerstone of expectation within the home, right, then you can just see it fall apart very quickly. And 
we're all, our brains are pain avoidant, path of least resistance structures, right? Like for anyone listening who does have a workout regimen, it's hard. You feel good after, but it's hard during. It requires a modicum of discipline and commitment, right? And so if we're not demanding that or teaching that up front, the avoidant style of, I don't want to do something that's uncomfortable or too effortful, yes. right, will win. And so you see this in place. And you, you only play grow with. as a man and as a woman, but, you know, to the sake of this conversation, you only grow as a man through difficulty and challenges. There is no, you know, 100%. you were talking about your sons are all soccer players. All my kids play sports. And and to me, it, it is at least it is one of the ways of getting them out of a comfort zone, getting them elbowed in the face when you know some other kid is trying to take totally. the ball. They fall, they get back up. That is one methodology for our boys to be more resilient as men, to be happy and successful as, as men. Well, and men, AI, AI, you can touch on this and your 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 thinking, uh, your thoughts right now. A, and then AI hasn't even scratched the surface. So any idea where this is actually going um, based on your experience and research? Uh, so it, I think it's going in a very scary direction, right? So A, well, so all of this, right? Pornography, AI, all of it in doses used well and productively can have a benefit, Excellent. right? I think that's true with any technology. And we can talk more about because I, I don't want to vilify porn. I think and that's exactly what we're doing people. right now. We're vilifying porn. Right. <laughs> so right. I want to change and the direction because the whole right. notion is that, no, there's something good about it. And I like that. Well, there absolutely is. And I, I want to spend time talking about that too, right? Yeah. So I think, and same with AI. I think that the thing, like anything, right, is if it's not in moderation, it's going to blow up in your face. That's really the takeaway, mm -hmm. right? And pornography is just one of those. And as it relates to, raising the children, right? Kids that are growing up now, teen style, where they have a handheld device, where it's no longer they're sneaking something from somewhere, right? It's just very easy. And so you're seeing that preference and those neural networks take shape much earlier. Okay, so that, that's the cautionary tale, right? Where is pornography? Well, and let me say one more thing on the cautionary tale. I just must. It creates false expectations, right? Mm -hmm. Pornography is not really representative of what real sex always looks like, mm. right? And so women don't necessarily perform in the same way. Men don't necessarily perform in the same way. It is performative. It is for our entertainment, our sexual entertainment. And so, you know, the way I talk to my children about pornography is I tell them you would not learn to drive a car from watching Mission Impossible, you would not learn to have sex from watching pornography, right? It is entertainment and you need to recognize the difference. So anyway. At what okay. age, Lisa, one more quick, since you mentioned you talk to your children, I know your eldest is 13. So at what age is it a right time to talk to your children about pornography? It depends on your child and how much access they have to electronics and how much unsupervised access they have to electronics. And if there are older siblings in the house. So those are the benchmarks to determine, but Somewhere between 11 and 13, wow. because by then, well, and again, by then, most of them have access to electronics. If you are an electronic-free household, you can probably push that conversation off a little bit longer, somewhere between 14 and 16. But the truth mm. is by 16, they're surrounded by people that have electronics mm -hmm. and someone is going to show them, right? And I'm a big fan of get in front of the message, mm -hmm. right? Let them hear your voice first and foremost on anything. So do but you bring it up yourself and say, look, son, let's talk yes. about porn. He's 11, like my son is right now. Or do you see signs or signals that he's interested in sexuality and this perhaps somehow or another interested in or, or hitting the porn app? So both, I actually don't think he's hitting the porn app yet. I, yeah. It's a little bit more like with that stuff, but I look at what they're watching on TikTok. We'll look at stuff in pop culture and I'll look at the girls and I'll be like, yo, what do you think about that? And you know that some of this isn't real. And then I will ask where I have asked, like, do you guys know what pornography is? Mm. Right. I always like to open any conversation with kids of any age with a question because it lets you take their temperature mm. of what they know where they're at, you know, because otherwise we come in trying to meet them on their level and they might have way more knowledge or way less knowledge than what we think. And so getting a read is always critical. And then you speak to it. What the model for sex education within the home suggests is information plus your family values actually breeds the highest health. Mm. So People get very concerned with, and this is the most common question I get asked, but if I bring it up, am I giving them permission? 
No. By acknowledging something exists, you are not giving permission. You are simply saying, I'm acknowledging it. And by the way, here's our family value around it. Your kids know you drive a car. Mm. If you drink wine, they know you drink wine. Can they do either of those things? No, because there's an age appropriate time. So anyway. I love that. uh, Thank you. That's really important. I appreciate you sharing that because I don't know. To me, it's like, all right, do you want to, Leo, you want to talk about porn? (laughs) It's it's like, you know, but he just has a, you know, he just got a phone because he's doing more things on his own and we want to be in touch with him. So, and we see what's, you know, he's using it quite a bit and we're on it. We're trying to be anyway. Totally. Well, and the way the algorithms work is something will lead to something else. And this is the other reason you got to get in front of the message, because is he typing in pornography Mm, anal on mm, Saturdays? mm. No. But the way porn algorithm works is like, you know, if he watches a video that has a an ad in it with a girl in a bikini and then somehow the rhythm picks up girl in bikini. Mm. And then, you know, so it's a slippery slope that we can't manage, Mm. which is why we need to just sort of be talking a lot about it. I actually have a great downloadable video from my website for how to talk to your, yeah. How to talk to your kids age two to 11. And what's your website? DrLisaPaz.com. I know it'll be on the show notes. Okay. Super. But and for premature ejaculation too. There's a great protocol downloadable video for how to treat premature ejaculation. Which we'll talk about. But so I sorry I took you offline there. You were going to talk about the positive effects of porn. Let's do positive benefits of porn. So I actually prescribe porn a lot for women. I think it is a fabulous, and I know that we're talking to men. So fabulous. I'll no, go this. ahead. Go ahead. Go for it. I, this is really interesting. I think that it is a fabulous way for women to see what they like. Mm. So the sexual trajectory for a lot of women is they sort of go through their late teen years or early twenties, whenever they become sexual, trying to be hot for the guy or not feeling entitled to say what they like. And then their thirties or forties roll around and their partner's like, okay, what do you like? Or why aren't you that into it anymore? Why don't you want it? And I'll ask women like, what do you like? And they're like, I don't know. I don't, I just, whatever he wanted was what I did. Or like, I don't know, whatever. I just, you know, it's very one note. So I feel like pornography is kind of like going to a buffet, right? Like try a little of everything, mm-hmm. see what you like. It doesn't mean you want to do it, right? Our fantasies are not necessarily indicative of what we want to do in real life. I've had women come back to me and men actually that will be like, oh my God, you told me to watch something and I had a response to it. Does that mean that I'm this or that? No, it means that for whatever reason that turned you on, right? Mm-hmm. And so fantasy does not mean our intent. It's a really good place to gain insight into what does turn you on and how to fantasize. We need to be able to fantasize during sex, particularly if you are in long-term relationships. I'll hear women say like, and I think he was thinking about someone else when he was with me. Mm. And I always think like, I hope my husband is thinking about something other than me once in a while. Like (laughs) I don't want after 20 years together, the sole responsibility of being that person, you know, and we're in a monogamous relationship. So it's not that I'm like Polly. I am not, Mm. I'm very monogamous, but mentally, you know, so I think porn provides an avenue for uh, diversity, right? To sort of change it up, to be inspired, to see what you like, to see what is of interest to you. I invite everyone who's listening right now to think about what did you jerk off to when you were 18, 19, 20? Mm. And if you're now 30, 40, 50, what are you jerking off to? Is it the exact same thing? Probably not. Mm. The genre has probably shifted. Maybe it's a little more complicated. Maybe it's a little more interesting. Maybe you had fantasies that were really titillating at one point. That now you're like, you know, whatever, I'm kind of over that. So I think porn gives us a way to stay very inspired. Mm. If we are using it in moderation, and again, recognizing it is for our entertainment and inspiration, this is not sort of what it should be at all times. I also prescribe pornography a lot for men with premature ejaculation. So men who are struggling with Mm. premature ejaculation, I put them on a training protocol they can download that video from my website also. That's very great and instructional and it requires consuming high levels of pornography or higher levels of arousal content. For some people, it might be erotic literature, whatever it is. That really turns you on. So you can start to train your brain to manage that arousal response and not get so excited and so anxious that you quick trigger. Mm. So I think that porn from a you know, keep it inspiring, keep it fun, change it up. They, you know, inspired, I think is the right word. Mm. And connected to sexy content 
is really useful. And for treating premature ejaculation, it's really useful. When is it too... So you mentioned the women, how women can benefit from watching porn is actually fascinating because it's not clearly mostly men that watch porn. So maybe they can learn things from there, which is great. Um, From a male perspective, they can um, help themselves with premature ejaculation and so forth. How do you... In my clinical experience, I've seen it, and again, it's a, is they're coming with me with already an ED problem, they're watching porn, you know, they're already coming with me with a problem. But how can the person listening know that it's a problem? Uh, What is the signal that's saying it's a a problem now? What are those signs and signals? Yeah, I th- so I think I understand what you're asking. If yeah, you, when is it too much? When is it? When will they know that? Like, you know, with alcohol, right? When do they know they're drinking too well? If they're thinking about alcohol, they if they have to finish the bottle, can, if people tell them, hey, you might have an alcohol yep. problem. People that love all these yep. things, right? Yep. Here's the. It's a real straightforward answer. If you can achieve and maintain your achieve, I hate that word, but what your you mind can, can achieve and conceive, your mind can. If you can, <laughs> right? If you can ascertain, if you can achieve and maintain your erection, no problem. While you are watching pornography and you are struggling to achieve or maintain an erection with your partner, you have created a dependence to pornography. Mm. It, it's mm. just like that. Not dissimilar to how do we know if erectile dysfunction is psychogenic or physiological? If you are waking up with nocturnal erections, yeah. if you're waking up with morning hard-ons, if you go to sit and have a wank by yourself and your penis is rock hard, but then when you go to be with a partner, you're flaccid, flaccid, we know that your blood flow is fine. Mm. There's something going on with your anxiety, brain, attentional span. So how do you know if you're watching too much porn? If you are unable if or struggling or if you need to stay entirely disassociated Hmm. with your partner. So, you know, I am a big fan of pornography use because I think it provides a way to sort of pop into your brain and then pop back into the present moment, right? And I ask everyone to do this. You should be a little bit fantasizing in your brain during sex and then come back to the moment and a little bit fantasizing, come back to the moment. And I think this keeps the heat really going, particularly as you're gearing up, you know, as we're getting started. Um, for people that have to sit with their eyes squinched closed and they're sort of like really trying to stay focused and they're thinking about whatever they're jerking off to when no one's around watching and they have to stay thinking exclusively about pornography. And the second they open their eyes and look at their partner, the second they are back sort of in the present moment, the erection wanes, you have created a dependence mm. to pornography. Mm. Your body is not responding. So those are really the markers. And same with ejaculation, right? The delayed ejaculation piece is something coming up more and more also. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, yeah. And so that's great. <clears throat> wow. That is really good. Hey, so, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You were, you were going to say something? No, I was just going to say that I don't know if you hear this. I have for in the past 10 years for the first time that I had ever heard, but now I hear a lot, men faking orgasm yeah. because they're having such a, I'm hearing men say, yeah, I'm faking it. Yeah. It used to be the other way around quite a bit, wasn't it? Correct. And now because they are having such a hard time climaxing without the aid of pornography or without sort of that attachment to, because again, think about that pornography piece. We've made it so narrow how you get off. And one of the things that I ask men to do is change it up. Do one day with pornography, like if you love to masturbate, great. Masturbate one day with porn, one day without. One day with, one day without. One day use it to start, finish without. If you are, for those that can't see me, I'm gesticulating my hand right now. If you're a chronic clicker, right? If you're watching something for 10 or 15 or 30 seconds and then you get bored and you're clicking to the next thing, force yourself to watch it for a full three minutes. Mm, You know, like mm. there are ways that you can also, I have a lot of people that are like, I don't want to give up porn. I'm saying, I love porn. You shouldn't necessarily give it up, but you need to shift your relationship to it. Mm. It can't be this rapid fire consumption. So those are also things that people can do to start creating sort of a more moderate or well-balanced relationship to pornography consumption. Is there a number of amount of time that you watch for example with alcohol intake i have yep. i've developed a guideline listening through other podcasts and just looking at the research right so in general right and it's you know no more than two drinks a week four glasses yep. of red wine some gu- guideline if you do more be careful more than two drinks in one day or night you ask for a third drink you start getting into like okay do you have a problem it's not good is yep. there such a thing for porn watching 
So I want to answer this in two different ways. I'm going to give you anecdotally what I think is healthy and not. And then when we're making it analogous to sort of alcohol, what we're really talking about is compulsive sexuality. And those do have markers around it. So I think that anecdotally, right, depending on your age, I would expect someone between the age of 13 to 23-ish, if they tell me I'm jerking off once a day, sometimes even two or three times a day, okay, you've kind of just discovered, right? You're in the early phase of discovering this chapter and how your body works mm. and, you know, you're 19 and hung over on a Saturday. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you're going to spend your day in bed. Oh, okay. As you get older and you have a steady partner, if you're in a monogamous relationship that has some cadence of partnered sex and you still are jerking off every single day, I think that starts to either look excessive or I start to come with the question mark of, are you using um, masturbation and or pornography for pleasure, sex, which is what it should be? Or are we now neighboring up into mood stabilization, coping, uh, needing to escape, sort of developing a almost an unhealthy attachment mm. habit to it, where it's no longer about getting a fun, cool, pleasurable human need mm. met or making a connection. Or if you are preferring pornography masturbation to partnered sex and you have a partner, that would be another anecdotal marker. Uh, if we're talking about compulsive sexuality, compulsive porn use, uh, some of the markers include, are you spending extraordinary amounts of time, right? Is it becoming a time drain where you are missing deadlines? You are late for meetings. You are foregoing your responsibilities in the world to sit to stave off your ejaculation and keep yourself in this extended state of arousal. Mm. Can you no longer be with a partner? That would look compulsive. Are you starting to hoard and collect a lot of pornographic content? Mm. So those would be sort of the more clinical markers. Ex excessive resources. Are you spending lots of money mm. on the cam girls or the subscription websites? Or So those are the markers for the compulsive piece. But then there's the like, I'm not compulsive, but maybe I'm neighboring on an unhealthy relationship mm. to it, right? Which is the difference, you know, of am I a raging alcoholic who's not making it to work on time? No, we don't relate to that person. But there are people that are probably three like, drinks I probably a, could. Three drinks a night, every night. Right. You've got to question your relationship to it, exactly, even if you're functioning, right? So I think that's a long-winded answer no, to the good. question, but, yeah. I, but I hope I hit it. Yeah. How about in marriage? So- for, how do you keep the fire going through, you know, 10, 20, 30 years? I find that a lot of my patients, well, let me just say this. When I see that my patients come in and they're in a very happy marriage and they're in their 60s, 70s and 80s and still connected sexually because they open, we open for that type of discussion. Wow. It is so fruitful and beautiful to see that. Totally. How do, what are they doing <laughs> that other people are simply not doing? Yep. They, first of all, they're working at it, right? So I get great people who come into my office all the time. They'll say things like, I just knew it was over when it stopped being easy. Mm. And I always say to people like, what in your life that you value is easy? Mm. Like, tell me your bank account, your healthy body, your well-behaved children, your, your job. Like if it's hard work, it's why we value mm. it. Right. And so first and foremost, creating and maintaining good sex is intentional. It requires effort and Really, this is very true in long-term relationships because our brain sensitizes to this person, right? And so that butterfly feeling, it's why people, one of the reasons why people cheat, right, is because our brain is having a novel response to a person and we can no longer create that novelty in long-term relationships. So being intentional is important. Having a wide definition of what intimacy and sex or good intimacy and sex means. Mm. So a lot of times what happens is, you know, when you're a teenager or a young adult, whenever you are sexually exploratory, right? We round the bases, you kiss. Oh my God. I just kissed with a tongue that night. And then like the next night, you know, you get felt up, right? No, oh, I felt her up and oh my God, it's so exciting. And then so on and so forth. And then what happens is once people get to intercourse, they land there. And we stop doing the exploratory behaviors as a means to an end, right? They become part of foreplay, depending on how much foreplay you have. They're a rush part of foreplay. Mm. I ask people all the time, like, do you ever just, when was the last time you just gave your husband a hand job? Like just that, mm. or just digital stimulation, or just mutual masturbation. So or, the wider- Or you did oral sex for up, up to a certain point, and then you stopped. Why did you stop? Right, 
Right. So this idea of creating a wide variety or an expanded definition of intimacy will keep a couple very resilient Mm. and is important. Big schedules. People hate when I say this, but what research shows Mm. is spontaneous mutual desire is very hard to achieve Mm. in long-term cohabitating couples. So this idea that you've had a hard day at the office and you saw 10 plus 10 patients and you're tapped out and you're walking home and saying, shit, the only thing that would t- today make today worthwhile, right, is a fabulous shag for my wife, right? And then you walk in the bedroom at the end of the day and she- She's ready to who, go. She's ready to go. That she's like, what a coincidence. What a fucking coincidence. I was in the exact same headspace as you. Is nil, right? Once a year? Yeah, that right. happens <laughs> once a year that everyone on is vacation, on vacation. vacation, maybe. Exactly. Schedules. Create a schedule. Have it doesn't need to be eight fifty one on Thursday night. It doesn't need to be that serious, but have sort of a sense of when you guys connect. And what it does is it alleviates the pressure on the couple to then have to like either oblige or feel forced or say I'm not in the mood. Know that you have a rhythm and a cadence, mm. and you, there's an expectation attached to it. Oh, that's lovely. And if yeah, I mean, and watch porn together if I just don't want to vilify porn wow. and give one to the porn column. <laughs> no, I do want to say one thing on the how porn can be functional among couples and where technology can actually be helpful. I love to have couples share like fantasy or things that turn them on. Again, not necessarily what they want to do, but things that they respond to. And I'll hear people, both men and women say, oh, I could never actually say that out loud to my partner. I can't. Oh, that's, that's the father of my child. That's the mother of my child. Oh, I ask them sometimes, you know what? Send them a link. Send them a link of something you like. Just send it out there. It's fun. Just for fun. Want to see if you liked it too, right? No one ever needs to talk about it. But it's a way to have some sort of playfulness and communication and build up without the awkwardness of sort of this like, hey, I watched this thing. So Mm. that's another space that I think couples can keep it alive, right? But the idea is to know that it's hard work to be intentional about it and to have an expanded definition of what good sex is. It doesn't necessarily need to be intercourse. That's a very good point. I have a lot of patients that are actually listening to this podcast and they've had treatment for prostate cancer. So they Uh, have some level of erectile dysfunction. Yep. Absolutely. And what I've learned, what I've learned, uh, not from reading research. I mean, I read the research after I saw what I saw. I was like, that's interesting that, Intimacy is not only uh, related to intercourse and that men without an erection actually get orgasms and sometimes they're even more intense uh, than when they're having intercourse. So can you speak on that? What are the types of methods that men after, for whatever reason, that cannot get an erection, um, maybe do prostate cancer or whatever, that what are other methods of being intimate that it does not require intercourse? I love this question. I used to do a lot of psycho-oncology work and I would run uh, prostate survivor groups, right? And we, yeah, we would talk all about this. So here's sort of the most important thing, right? Is everyone wants to be a good lover. That's one of the things we all, if I ask people, what, what turns you on? They tell me to see my partner turned on. I want to know I did a good job. Well, lucky for all men who are having erectile issues, 90, 94, depending on the research, percent of women need clitoral stimulation to orgasm. Clitoral stimulation does not require an erection. And so if one of the pieces that we are striving for is to be a good lover and make sure we are meeting our partner's needs, I'm making heterosexual generalization right now, but, and meeting our partner's needs, right? Find the clitoris, Mm. find the clitoris and attend to it. Um, Oral sex, knowing you, you beat me to it, but men do not, you don't need an erection to have an ejaculatory response. And so to that end, everyone can still have a pleasurable experience that may or may not end. It doesn't need to end in climax each time, but has the capacity to end in climax without intercourse. The couples that all the years through engaged in alternative behaviors that didn't just land in intercourse, right? Oral for oral sake, digital stimulation for digital stimulation sake, mutual masturbation that didn't then lead to something else. Those are the couples that are resilient to prostate cancer, to any sort of postpartum issues, to any interruption in the ability to have standard intercourse. So intimate, and by the way, women, if you're in a heterosexual relationship and you feel bereft because you can't get a heart on, Women require much higher levels of intimacy than they do require your heart on, right? I like to tell Mm. men, put your heart 
on, not your heart on, right? Oh, I love and that so, line. There you go. So I'll give you credit this, for I, next time. Thank uh, you. Next time thank I use you. it. There it is. So this idea, right, that you need a hard on to feel like a proficient lover, that's just our own, our own. I don't have a penis. That's your own, you men, you fabulous men with penises. That <laughs> is you, your own. In, right? You can't be raising three sons without calling them <laughs> fabulous with their penises. That's your own insecurity and conventional thinking. So the idea here is be attentive, be willing to do oral, buy a vibrator and put a vibrator mm. on your partner's mm. clitoris. Is that a different? I, I, so intimidated. Men some feel men intimidated feel like vibrator. this vibrator is going to replace me if yeah. I keep using this vibrator. Is that how- listen? I, the way I pitch a vibrator is: if you bake a cake, right, and you have to mix the batter, you can either mix it by hand, which you'll still bake a cake; it's going to take a while, or you get one of your handheld mixers, right, where you push the thing and within they're like mix for yeah, two minutes. Yeah, but she can. Use the vibrator without me, uh, without the, she can, and you know what? And you guys can turn on porn, and you can put some lubricant on and jerk off in just the same way. Mm. If we're going to feel intimidated by our partner's access to pleasure, then we're being insecure. Lovers, then that's another story. Right? Then they need Dr. Lisa Paz for some that, therapy. Right. Exactly, exactly. I. I think that this idea of feeling like, is it going to replace me or does it mean I'm not doing my job? I recognize that it's a very valid feeling. Most, many, not most, maybe back in the day, but now many, not most men have. But I invite you to really confront what is that? Is it that you are that uh, in need of being the sole source of her pleasure, but also insecure about the fact that the erection may or may not be working? I, you know, there's so much to it that I feel like if you can be uh, willing to integrate a vibrator into the bedroom, you're just creating a hotter environment, right? And you're incentivizing her to want to circle back to something. It is not easy for women to have an, er- an erection, an ejaculation, right? Or a, an orgasm. Some women need up to 20 minutes of straight clitoral stimulation to achieve orgasm. And so that's hard. That is a tall order. A vibrator just keeps it simple. And so I'm a big fan of bringing a vibrator into the bedroom, particularly for men that can't even do uh, intercourse for whatever medical or mental reason. This is a way at least to know I'm going to deliver pleasure Mm. anyway. You know, Um, I think men need to be, I'm listening to you and I just think we need to be educated on male sexuality overall, right? Because men are connected to their penis and they love their penis. They love their penis. You can see that in your boys, I'm yep. sure I can already see that with my boy. Yep. And there's like, there is a strong, so there's a natural component to being attached mm-hmm. to it. And as you get older, you know, they feel that they're as manly as they're compared to their last erection and their ability to form, yes. perform intercourse. And if they were unable to, or what have you, it's just a less manly experience uh, or they feel less manly. And then you're thinking, and then there's room for a wider that leads to performance anxiety so then you're trying to differentiate totally. is it physical or psychological and so forth i think that's a wider conversation that we can have as men as to all right i get it this is the way it's been but it's not it's not the only thing and you know a man is we were talking about that we before we started recording like well, what is a man we're trying to raise boys what's a man we try to yep. have them become men what does that even mean these days i think we it's we should all have that kind of conversation I agree. I agree. And I think that it's uh, multifactorial, right? It's what does it mean in a sexual way, in an emotional way, a spiritual way, an intellectual way, a business protecting. Yep. Totally. And I will tell you, and I, we also talked about this and women will love me or hate me for it, but like, I'm not super feminist, but you know, I like a man to hold the door for me, but I think that there is a lot of mixed messaging out there right now because you got to be a man, But but you also... But, right. And so, <laughs> but don't do so, X, this. Right. Know, but I can M- open my own door. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so there's a lot of that. But in the sexual realm, I think if wanting to deliver intimacy and pleasure, right, that should be everyone's North Star. That should be all of our North Stars when we step into the bedroom. It shouldn't necessarily be about like, am I hitting a mark? It should be, am I connecting? Am I delivering pleasure? Am I receiving pleasure? Am I getting pleasure from delivering? But, you know, it, it, it should be from that space. And so anyway, but. So the last thing that will that I like to ask you about is 
so as couples get older, you know, if yes. typically most men, as they get older, certainly they're seeing me, they're keeping an erection and most of them uh, obtain and, and keep one for a while. As women get older, they tend to be drier and sort of libido might wane a little bit and it becomes yep. more difficult and they get pelvic pain sometimes. And yep. and so now it's not as interesting. So the guy is like, well, she's not, you know, it's not as pleasurable because like, as you said earlier, you know, my intention, my pleasure is oftentimes to make her uh, mm-hmm. enjoy it and it's not happening. What can be done in that scenario? Yep. So everyone has body changes, right? And this is why the couple that has prepped for it all the years through, right? That has sort of had a wide variety of behaviors and communication available to them all the years through are more resilient to any sort of dysfunction or body change. Mm. Lubricant, right? I mean, we do know as hormone shift in women, they not only have drier internal vaginal walls, but less plastic internal vaginal walls, and it can be more painful. We even know that for women, orgasms become less intense Mm. with age. So what can we do? We can make it playful. We can use lubricant. We can use a vibrator. We cannot make it necessarily just about the climax, but about the connection. This is the single thing that if you are in a relationship, a monogamous relationship, you can't outsource, right? We can have intellectual discussions with other people. We can joke with other people. We can talk taxes or politics or art or anything else that we want to talk about. If we are in a monogamous relationship, right? What we're saying is I'm going to deliver this need and you're going to be the sole source of this need Mm. for me other than what goes on in our head. So the communication around how can we keep this not painful exciting? Do we need to plan it? I'm back to schedule. So as bodies change for certain people, bowel and bladder, managing pain meds, managing hormone cycles, it may just mean that you also need to communicate about when pain is at its lowest, when meds are appropriate, when you've had adequate time for hygiene prep, Mm -hmm. right? And that just requires communication planning. And while I recognize it doesn't really sound sexy, It's efficient. And then before we end, I have to go and I know you do. I want to just as food for thought relative to the planning piece. If you look at the two highest places where people say, oh my God, the sex is out of control. It's dating and it's affairs. Those are the two places where you, right? Everyone holds those as the gold standards for like sex is amazing. Want to know what those two things have in common? They're planned. No one calls it planned sex, Mm. but I... They are planned. When you are in an affair and you are going to meet your lover, want to know what? It is planned. Everyone is in the same headspace. Everyone knows what's going to transpire within that time. And everyone is game on. And everyone has managed their side of the street. If you need to take a Viagra, if you need to have not had an orgasm that day because your refractory period, the time between your ejaculation, the next time you can get hard is longer than it was when you were 18. Mm. Then you didn't jerk off that day because you're going to meet your lover. That's a plan. If you like to shave your legs and have a matching bra and panties and wash your vagina because you don't want to smell, that's a plan. Mm. So too with dating. When people are dating, they're like, okay, game on. We have dinner reservations. Our roommate's not here, right? We know what's coming. And then all of a sudden we abandon the schedule. And we're like, huh, I don't know. We just can't get on page. Mm. And so as it relates to changing bodies or even just desire discrepancy, I can't emphasize enough schedule, schedule, schedule is going to prioritizing be. it, making sure you everybody's on the same page as to how valuable it is. It's important totally. that we plan for it. And knowing what we have in mind, right? You can't secretly plan for Thursday night, but never let your wife know. And she's Mm. like, I have a work call and I was scheduling something with our Mm. son. And now you're coming at me. It needs to be like, babe, let's, you know, Thursday night. A nice text, a nice, you know, cute, right? A little cute text, like your boyfriend and girl. Keep the boyfriend and girlfriend mentality on throughout your marriage. Don't you think? Totally. Yeah. I Not only do I think we should have fun with it and we should be playful with it and we should spend time with it. But that, what you just said goes back to one of the things that I, intentional it's work that requires a little bit of work. That's okay. That's why it, that's why it's good. You know, I love it. Lisa, so, thank you so right. much for this wealth of information, final thoughts, and how can people get in touch with you? 
Oh, thank you for having me. This was like so fun on so many levels. I really enjoyed today. They can reach me. The easiest way is uh, through my website, drlisapaz.com, D-R-L-I-S-A-P-A-Z.com. Or they can email me and they can find my contact info there. Or my Instagram handle is at drlisapaz.com. So through any of those mediums, you will find me. That's beautiful. Lisa, thank you so much. Everyone have a great day and thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Our next sponsor partner has a product I use literally every day. I'm talking about AG1. You know, I've been using green powders mixed in drinks for a long time. It has not always been a great experience, right? The powder clumps up a little bit. It tastes horrible. But you know what? You chug it anyway because it's good for you. AG1 changed the game. In AG1, you have... 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day the right way. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, and energy to help you recover and focus and help you age successfully. To make it easy, AG1 is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Dr. Geo. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash Dr. Geo to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And now for a brief disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and we're not forming a doctor-patient relationship through this medium. The use of the information and all links associated with this podcast is at the listener's risk and is not to replace medical advice from a physician or a healthcare practitioner. Lastly, Thoughts and opinions related to this podcast are my own and may not reflect the views of any institution or organization I'm associated with. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dr. Geo podcast. You can watch all episodes of this podcast and much more by subscribing to my YouTube channel on youtube.com forward slash Geo Espinoza ND. If you love what you heard today, you can help by leaving a five-star review of the podcast on Apple and Spotify, as each review helps us reach more men who are serious about improving their urological health and how to function better with age. And for the latest research and actionable takeaways in the world of men's health and integrative urology, sign up for my newsletter at drgeo.com. I'll see you next time.